Whoa! This is news. Sam Rajovsky, News Talking 40, KXNT. Earlier today, Trump's legal team uh, filed a motion to dismiss in his uh, D.C. case. This is the January 6th case. I, I'll talk about this in a moment because their arguments, I think, are very compelling. This may very well end up at the Supreme Court. But first, friends, here on the What's Right show, I, Sam Rajovsky, want to roll my sleeves up, if you'll permit me, and talk for a moment about this arrest in the case out of New York City. No doubt you've heard that there was a young, relatively young, 32-year-old activist uh, who, well, he's, he's a young guy. He's a BLM activist, Antifa activist, social justice guy. He's coming home from a wedding. It's four in the morning. He's with his girlfriend. His name's Ryan Carson. And uh, on camera, on a surveillance camera, you, you catches a another person, individual, acting erratically, who, uh, in a confrontation with uh, Mr. Carson, ends up stabbing him to death right there on the street in front of his girlfriend. Now, an arrest was made. Uh, the suspect here, 18 years old, identified as Brian Dowling. And there's an entire, uh, predictably, an entire troubled past with this individual. Uh, mental health issues, uh, living with his dad, mom out of the picture. A family a number of times have reported him to police for, uh, I guess, all sorts of violent and erratic behavior and... Again, the police here, because a soft touch on this type of stuff, is what New Yorkers want. This guy keeps getting released and ultimately leads to him uh, here. And I'm telling you, look, if it's the extent that this is the guy, I mean, allegations are out. He's on camera stabbing unbelievably violent crime and um, led to the death of this individual. Now, I understand a number of conservatives, and I'm, I'm, I'm there, folks. I understand that when this woke agenda creates a situation where um, all of us are not safe, including the very people that advocate for these losers to continue to get a pass and be processed and released in a system that encourages further criminal behavior. I, I do understand the desire to delight when one of these advocates meets their demise at the hands of these, of these individuals. I get that. Um, a problem is, is, is we're all in harm's way. And the other problem is, is that we're advocating, these, this guy here that died by virtue of being a communist, a socialist, and a and a you know a leftist guy, he's advocating for the wrong thing. Because while he says basically loosely, and I've looked through his social media posts, that the system fails young black men, people of color, that the system promotes criminality, uh, and 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 is all about punishment when these people need love and compassion and all this nonsense. He's missing a very important point. See, we have a 
we are now at least two, if not quite a few more, generations deep of kids being raised by absent parents, distracted parents, uninterested parents, weak parents. These kids are growing up abandoned. They're growing up, you know, with parents who are very selfish because they, of course, themselves were raised to believe that they, the individual, are most important. They bought into the self-care, self-love mantra. They're all in for the importance of having self-esteem. They were taught to, well, listen, if you're unhappy in your marriage and your relationship, then you need to go and be happy. You need to find your happiness. You only get one turn around this planet. You know, there's, yeah, that's it. You just uh, get, get out of there and go. I saw a clip that's circulating on social media that is so profoundly sad, but it 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 underlines the problem here. It's a... A clip where a mom is dropping off her three kids at their grandmother's, at her mom's place. So there's a, there's a lady, she's got three kids, and she's taking her kids to, to grandma's, to her mom's house, and saying, Mom, I can't take care of these kids anymore. I'm done. I don't want to be a mom. I got a new man. She literally says this. I got a new man, and, and, he, and he and I, we want to go, we want to go and travel. And I'm, you know, the camera pans over to these kids. I mean, I, I actually hope this, this, this is not real, but I think it is. Pans over to the kids, and, and I mean, I, I think the boy is eight or nine. Uh, there's some other ones that are younger. I think they're girls, but anyway, I mean, can you imagine the impact of being abandoned, literally dropped off at your grandma's house by your mom saying, I got a new boyfriend. I'm out of here. See you later, alligator. I'm done with you. See, when we talk about, we talk about social justice reform, when liberals want to give people who grew up less fortunate, perhaps, a pass in life for their atrocious and illegal conduct, they're missing the point. They're missing the point that these are people that grew up, unfortunately, I'll admit it, through bad luck and also through, as a result, the consequence of a society that has permitted their parents and maybe even their grandparents to be losers. They've grown up, come of age, and then the brilliant idea is what? To just have them graduate through school, be promoted grade to grade without any merit, without any performance, to not be held accountable criminally for low-level criminal conduct? What do you think is going to be the consequence of that? Taking someone who had no guardrails in their life growing up, who had parents who either weren't there and if they were there were so consumed with themselves and their own selfishness that never said no. And then along come the police and the police are told by the prosecutors, don't arrest him for stealing. That's, that's racist. We're going to do this differently. We're, we're going to write him a ticket. 
it is no surprise to me that someone growing up with that kind of permissiveness and then not facing any reality as an adult in the criminal justice system would continue with this kind of criminal conduct and have it culminate quite easily in murder. This is not an accident, folks. It's it doesn't this and and I'm convinced by the way that the social justice people are out there in part doing this and advocating for what they're doing because they 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 want chaos. They want terror in the streets. They want us afraid. I've talked about it many times. Example in well, great examples in uh, mayor of uh, of Chicago who has come out to say after stores are getting looted and stolen to the point where where you know there are no stores in parts of the city saying okay well this is great now we're going to come in and we're going to create city run stores well he's a communist he's a socialist of course that's what he wants it's brilliant first allow the criminals to run amok criminals pick dry uh, privately run businesses those businesses do what is i guess the only logical thing to do which is abandon those areas where they are getting uh you know robbed day in and day out and then along comes the government and says here we go more government we're going to create government run enterprises and build the socialist utopia that we learned about when we were in college and in the meantime in constructing this utopia, human lives are laid to waste. It's sad all the way around. And I'm telling you folks, it's beyond the headlines. That's what we do here on the What's Right Show. I'll play these clips when we come back. I, you tell me if you think it's, if you think it's real. I am, I am appalled. And then again, on some... This is quite sad. On some level, I am not the least bit surprised. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show here on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Clip on the internets. Yes, various social media uh, platforms now carrying it's gone. It's early stage viral, but it came across my uh, my desk here this morning as I was perusing some things and it's uh, it's a, a a mom dropping her kids off off permanently I, that's the way just saying hey here are my three kids I'm done now her mother the kid's grandmother is saying whoa 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 you got whoa what are you doing <laughs> and there's a there's an exchange there now Listen, uh, parents out there, I have three kids. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been a moment or two that I didn't want to drop my little rugrats off somewhere and, and walk away. But the point is, you and I, we didn't do it, okay? 
And the people making excuses for the mom are saying things like, you just can't, you don't know what she's going through. She's telling us what she's going through. She's got a new man, a new boyfriend, and her and the dude want to go travel around and have some fun. Here's the first part of this absolutely horrifying video. What do you think you're doing? I'm dropping them off for good. Listen, I met a younger guy. He don't want no kids. And he don't want to, listen, he don't want to deal with them. And so I'm dropping these kids off so me and him can live our life. We want to travel. We want to explore the world. And I can't do that with kids. I can't. I cannot believe. It's time for me to be happy. And I just want to be happy and stress-free without these children. That's all I want. Then you should ask me, baby. I shouldn't have to ask. It's respect, Angel. It's respect. Well, I hope that you respect my decision on moving on with my life with my new man and no kids. I'm not raising your kids. Well, I'm not either. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you because I'm not doing it. I'm just letting you know right now I'm not doing it. I'm tired. I'm tired of being a single parent. I'm tired. But you laid down and made the decision to have three kids. That is not my responsibility. And this is the last time you're going to do this. You're not doing it anymore. It's your responsibility, not mine. Well, it wasn't. It was not my plan to be no single parent. Well, this is a, this is a grown woman. I mean, she's not 16. She's got three kids. The oldest one looks to be about nine. And as her mom told her, because it was your, you laid down, say this part, I'm going to add it, you spread your legs, you made the decision to have kids. This isn't, this is your responsibility. By the way, props to the, to the grandma here for laying it down. But the parent, the mom here, the mother of these kids is saying, literally saying, I met a younger guy and he don't want no kids. Hey, so I, I, you know, he don't want to deal with them. So I'm dropping these kids off so me and him can live our life. We want to travel. We want to explore the world. And see, my, my commentary on this, right, it's very important. This kind of mentality did not occur in our country overnight. This is, a, this has been a generational, multi-generational decline in American civilization. And the decline occurred in part because of the welfare state, huge contributing factor where financial responsibility for kids went away from parents and onto the state. In fact, the more kids you had, the more welfare money you could collect. And so it incentivized perversely people to have kids and for dads to not be in the equation. And the second thing is we went through I mean, it started started in, I remember, and when I was in school, you know, everyone's a winner. You're great. You matter. Your feelings. How do you feel, Sam? How do you feel? Remember, I came home one time, and my mom started yelling at me about something. Of course, my parents are from Eastern Europe and old school, you know, types, and I said to my mom, Mom, you, you have no concern for my self-esteem. I don't remember if she slapped me, guys. I really don't. I, I think she may have. And, and uh, But I can tell you whatever it was that she did, it ended that conversation toot sweet. Self-esteem. <laughs> I can still hear my mom laughing at me about that. So then, believe it or not, this cretin, this horrible mother, 
of three kids dropping, giving them away, says to her mom, has the audacity to blame her upbringing for this, right? Which, you, by the way, you don't get to do as an adult, whatever your upbringing is. I know people with really horrible upbringings that made a good thing of, of, of life. You're a grown person. You've brought kids in the world. You don't get to blame your mom. But the fact of the matter is that this grandma here wasn't, wasn't a bad mom. You never taught me how to be a mom. You didn't tell me what to do. You didn't help me. So now it's your turn. You take your grandkids so I can live my life stress-free. Okay, but the reason that I could not teach you how to be a mother, Angel, is because I was working a full-time job. That's not my problem. I, I cannot. I'm not. Just hear me out when I say I'm not, not going to take That's care of your three kids that you had because you're disrespectful. You just come over here and just drop them off. I have to ask you to watch your grandchildren. No, you're not talking about watching. You just told me I was going to have to raise them. I have to ask you to raise your grandchildren. Oh, my God. Your grandchildren. Oh, my responsibility. Oh my God. I cannot believe that you actually <laughs> think that I'm supposed to say it's okay. I'm not doing it. I didn't raise you like this, Angel. Okay, well, listen. Being a single parent will make you angry, mad, upset, and stressed, and everything above, and I am tired. Oh, my God. Hey, Angel. Hey, Angel, what? What is? No, this chick did. Oh, my God. And she actually drives off. She and actually. She yeah. drives off, yeah, and, and leaves the kids behind. I don't know. This will be in the news shortly if it's, if it's but, but hear me out. Right. This can you imagine the audacity of telling your mother to take your kids, you know, OK, that step one. But two, telling her you never taught me how to be a mom. And the grandma goes, hey, I, I, I was working a full time job. I, that was the example that was set there. The mom was working. Grandma was working and she was a single mom and she didn't give her kids away. I mean, there's some degree of parental failure here. That There's no doubt about that. But this is unbelievable. And so, so let me, let me bring, this, bring this home to understanding. When we see young people that are off the rails and, and, and running, stealing and, and committing low-level crimes, and then we see them failed by a system that ought to, Give them a proper spanking. Put them in jail for a while. Let them think about their error of their ways. And, you know, frankly, step in and do the job that their parents failed to do, which is teach them some respect. The social justice warriors out there are dismantling those guardrails and are telling these people, no, you're fine the way you are. It's so condescending. It's so broken. And that's why, that's why criminal justice reform doesn't work. That's why woke is broke. You're just allowing people who have had, who, who are already rudderless, who already haven't been taught any manners or responsibility, that they can keep getting away with it. And what's going to be the result there? What's the end finish of all of this? It's, it's only going to end in mayhem and murder, I'm telling you, because you, you keep doing a bad behavior. You get, look, as parents, we know this. You give the, your kid an inch, and next thing you know, they've got the whole yardstick. That's how that works. 
All right, let me break down this Trump appeal. I think the January 6th case might be going out the window. Uh, Sam Marjofsky here in News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show will continue after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Friends, welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday. 1 to 3 p.m. I, Sam Rajovsky here, reporting for duty, otherwise known as Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. I uh, have told you repeatedly that for every commentator out there that says, just wait till all these legal cases against Trump begin to run their course, Just wait till Trump gets convicted on all these charges and starts accruing real jail sentences. You just wait what effect that will have on the race and on the state of things. It's going to get worse for him, right? For every one of those people, I I think um, the simple response is that it's as bad as it's going to get for Trump politically. I don't mean legally. But I mean politically, because I think everything is out there now. I mean, I unless they can, I, I, I don't know what they would have to pull out now to change anyone's thinking on Donald Trump. It's all now baked into the equation. People who think he's guilty as sin of, of whatever in these indictments, it's, I, those people, you're not going to change their minds. They know what they know. There's people, by the way, that think he's probably done this stuff, but also are deeply uncomfortable with this kind of targeting of a former president. Read middle of the road, we'll call them centrist moderates. They don't like this. So to all my Democrat friends, be careful, be careful. Those people are watching this and they're uneasy about it. They may think Trump is not necessarily a good guy, but they're finding some sympathy for him in light of these legal prosecutions. Okay, so, and then of course you've got the Trump supporters and the Republicans that maybe don't even love Trump, but but just people, honestly, people like me who was, I, I was a little bit sour on Trump and the more they went after him, the, the more I'm gonna stick up for my guy. Oh, I have some legitimate, and fair criticisms of Donaldus Maximus. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I did, I do. But these indictments, one after another, have have certainly increased my sympathies, and I think I'm not alone in that. So it's all baked into the cake, is my point. So what happens if, and this is this is news today, right? Because Trump's legal team went into federal court in D.C and filed an extensive and very thorough motion to dismiss the entire case. And they're citing presidential immunity, which is a bedrock principle in the law. It's been established. It goes back uh, quite a ways. And it's and it's, it comes from two principal places. It comes from the Constitution. It comes from uh, cases like uh, U.S. v. Nixon. But let me let me get into this because courts the Supreme Court has already ruled that a president is 
absolutely immune civilly in civil court from any acts that occur uh, during his presidency or or even that occurred you know from subsequent litigation after the presidency ends for acts that occurred during the time that he or she was president. And it's the, the language there is, by the way, the, the acts in office that fall within the outer perimeter, outer perimeter. It's like as, as far as you could possibly imagine stretching it. it it's, it's very inclusive of any acts. Sorry, Nixon versus Fitzgerald is the case, a Supreme Court case where this president has absolute immunity from civil liability. Now, let's talk about the impeachment clause because this is interestingly worded. Now, we're all familiar now with the impeachment clause because the Democrats taught us a lot about it through two impeachment hoax uh, trials, President Trump, of course, twice prevailing in the Senate, and therein lies the rub. In Article 1, the impeachment clause says that their uh, proceedings themselves, they don't carry necessarily um, – uh, the, the impeachment proceedings only can remove a president from office, and a party convicted after impeachment shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment, right? Now, but it's specifying that there has to be an impeachment first for there then to be a conviction for acts that occur while in office, so the Constitution here uh, pretty clearly implies that absent an impeachment and conviction, which Trump was impeached but not convicted, right? Senate twice voted not to convict. A president can't be criminally prosecuted for, for acts after, you know, for his official acts. You have to have that step of a political impeachment, right? And so this is, this is a core fundamental constitutional question. And I'll tell you, I will tell you something, folks. Um, my th- it'll go to the Supreme Court it, because it's, 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 the Supreme Court takes any case of, of, of grave constitutional importance and and, and they can call these cases up even from the appellate level and just say, listen, we're, we want this. We want to we address this. But the reason they're going to want this is because there is this constitutional question that's very important. Does the ruling in, in the Nixon case apply also to criminal, criminal acts? It just hasn't been decided yet. And the reason why I think the Supreme Court could very well rule in favor of Trump and all future presidents – and even past presidents, for that matter, that are still living and subject to this kind of, you know, uh, prosecution, is because we have a separation of powers problem. And you, you, can you imagine, right? What are the branches of government? Well, Trump, you know, we've we've got Congress. We've talked a lot about Congress this week, so that's the legislative branch. And then, of course, we have we have the presidency, which in this case, you know, is is uh, the executive branch is Trump. Then you've got the courts, right? If you allow, if you allow the courts to tie up a president or to threaten tying up a president after he leaves office, it weakens significantly the strength of the executive branch and makes it so that future presidents will be fearful and beholden to 
the courts, right? And I don't think our founders wanted it that way, which is why the Constitution and the impeachment clause is worded the way it is. And by the way, the Supreme Court didn't want it this way, even um, even in regards to Nixon, who at the time of the ruling here uh, was, was deeply unpopular, but the court recognized the importance of maintaining those, those separations and, and realized that uh, it could be a catastrophic event if the functions of government were, uh, be, were able to be, be effectively ground to a halt or affected even, impacted by the courts. So there it is, right? This entire January 6th case could be thrown out the window. So when I tell you, and I've been saying this for a while, when I tell you that, my, that I think it's laughable, all these people are saying, just wait till Trump gets to court. Or just wait till they start proving up these cases. And I'm kind of throwing my hands up and I say, listen, an indictment is not a conviction. These cases are flawed. There are big problems here. And the Supreme Court thankfully has some constitutionally minded folks on it who I think are able to uh, and who will have a keen interest in deciding this. The adults in the room might just might prevail. Now it goes into, folks, it goes into everything that's going on because there's a lot of moving pieces, right? We have the joke of a case in uh, New York. We have, of course, Letitia James uh, and also you, you, you get this crazy judge who's got you know teeth that look straight out of some sort of a haunted mansion. Uh, yeah, so and they are they're delighting in this, and the media is delighting in this, and they are just salivating over the fact that they could possibly you know take down Trump's empire, right? But procedurally, right, this this case has its flaws, and then of course it is a glaring example of selective prosecution, which is really what this is all about. Now I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back. I want to explain this because this is, you know, equal protection under the law. In order for it to be true and to be an actual promise that is guaranteed to us in this country, the laws need to be applied equally, but also the enforcement of laws must need to be applied equally. And the Democratic Party really, unlike I mean, in, a, in an unprecedented way in this country has decided to apply laws as they see fit. Soros elected DAs have come into office and said, well, we're just not going to enforce that law. I mean, if a white business owner shoots and kills a looter in his business in Los Angeles and that person that they shot happens to be a poor person of color, you bet your bottom dollar that the DA there is going to prosecute the business owner. I can make that, I can, I am fairly confident of that. I turn it around and there's all sorts of excuses being made, right? Maybe not the same level of charges being filed. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm pointing this out. So selective prosecution is when there are, for example, many other businessmen, developers in New York State who have done the same or worse as Donald Trump, but they're Democratic Party donors. They haven't been a wildly unpopular president for the left. They haven't stuck their necks out. 
So they're not on anybody's radar. I want to cover this when we come back because that's really the core of this entire thing, right? Same with the document stuff. I keep saying it. Other people have done functionally the same thing as Trump. They all get to self-report and get a slap on the wrist, nothing at all, just, you know. But from the from go, right, the National Archives people and the President Records people, they were all talking to the FBI and, and figuring out ways how to use it to target Donald Trump. And that is really what the story is about. So, yes, there are structural deep flaws with some of these cases. And on the flip side, it's really exposing the left to these, I would describe these as fascist tactics. Kind of funny. People that think Donald Trump is a fascist are actually the real fascists in the equation. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be back in a moment. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. So uh, all of you out there now uh, angry at me for saying that this is selective prosecution of Donald Trump by these special prosecutors and, uh, and DAs and AGs. Well, let me give you an example of what I mean. Because I about fell out of my chair yesterday when Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York State, who is the one uh, prosecuting, bringing the case of the Trump org, uh, you know, like their, their assets, inflation, you know, banking, you know, loan fraud case. Um, she actually stood in front of the courthouse yesterday and declared that Trump, who had been admonished for his comments on the case that the Trump stunt show is over. Listen to this. This case was brought simply because it was a case where individuals have engaged in a patent and practice of fraud. And I will not sit idly by and allow anyone to subvert the law. And lastly, I will not be bullied. And so Mr. Trump is no longer here. The Donald Trump show is over. This was nothing more than a political stunt. Well, she does, she does not sound very smart, does she? And I'll tell you why. Uh, well, I mean, she doesn't sound smart, but I'll tell you why she's particularly stupid. And that is, you don't even have to go back far you don't have to rewind the tape very far to understand that she, on the record, said what her intentions would be as attorney general. Here's a voter on the campaign trail. It's a little tricky to hear, but it's an exchange with, the, with, the, with a gal here that she's talking to. This is while campaigning in New York State in 2018, Letitia James vows that she will sue Donald Trump. Listen. Say, oh, I'm not going to bother to register to vote oh. because my voice doesn't make a difference. So I'm just one person. Say one name. Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Stop your ass and vote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. He's going to know my name personally. I love it. <laughs> Voter asks, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. He's going to know my name personally. The 
voter goes, I love it. He probably does already. This is Laverenti Beria, the NKVD predecessor KGB, uh, head of the um, secret police uh, in the Soviet Union. Uh, you know, there's a, a attributed quote to him, you know, find me the man and I'll find you the crime. They're, they're, Trump is being targeted for being Trump. And what we have here, I mean, this should disqualify her from any prosecution. I, it's unbelievable. These comments and her subsequent actions ought to have her disbarred by the Bar Association in New York State. This is, this is atrocious. Now, her antipathies toward Trump, also widely known. Here's a little flavor of that. Letitia James on the record numerous times slamming Trump and expressing just how much she doesn't like him. This illegitimate president who sits in the White House. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. We've got to get ready to mobilize, and we've got to get ready to agitate and irritate until victory is won, but more importantly, until Trump is defeated. are all uh, utterances of, uh, of Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, who has made it her mission to get Trump. And by the way, uh, can somebody arrest her for election denialism? I mean, she's out there, uh, you know, was when Trump was president saying, not my president, he's an illegitimate president. I mean, they, they've arrested, I mean, arrested and charged Trump for doing less uh, than that in Georgia, for example. So I, all right. All right. Victor Davis Hanson Monday sat down with Tucker Carlson and Tucker asked him if there was any merit to Trump's New York case. And here is Victor Davis Hanson's response. It's so on the money, I have to play it for you. In, the, in a larger sense, no, because you can ask yourself two questions. Would Latita James and the people who were doing this, would they have done it if Donald Trump on January 7th said, Conditions have changed. I'm now not going to run for office. I think the answer is no. And then the second thing, do, are some of the giants of New York finance and real estate, do they operate in a way that is completely different than Donald Trump? They never overvalue an, an asset. And I think the answer is no. And then the third question might be, now that you've picked on Donald Trump, are you going to systematically uh, look at the bank applications and loan applications of, say, 50 or 60 of the largest developers in New York, especially on the left-wing side? I don't think so. And then, of course, Jonathan Turley last night on Hannity says that this is selective prosecution, and he's absolutely right. This is part of this recreational use of the laws to pursue unpopular persons. Now, I'm not saying that there's not going to be any merit to the question about these filings for banks and, and loans. But the question is, is this selective in, in isolating the Trump 
business because I wrote earlier that James has expressed very little interest in liberal organizations that have been accused of similar conduct. She's gone against, she's gone after the NRA, she's gone after Trump. Uh, she has really developed the signature that she will use all of the levers of her office to go against political opponents. She's a woke fascist. And so are all these other extreme Democrats. They're woke fascists. They're using the powers of the state to go after and eliminate their political enemies. If you think that this is appropriate, if you think this is right, I, I'm sorry. We have a fundamental uh, core disagreement on this. All right, we got to take a quick break. By the way, we're building a wall now. I'll give you my thoughts on this. <laughs> this is so good. Sam Burjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll be back after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. I don't know if Mexico is going to pay for it, but apparently Biden is building a wall. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Look, I, (laughs) I have a question. To what extent is Biden finally doing something at the border because he fears that the revolt in the House of Representatives, led by Matt Gates, is going to lead to budget cuts for, one, the Department of Homeland Security and perhaps the Department of Justice, Department of Education, etc., if the administration doesn't get real on things like the border. I mean, that was, that was the entire contention, right? Nobody's connecting this up, but there is a, look, there's a, all of a sudden, a few days later, they issue, and I've got the, I've got the request here. Hold on, it's right here. I've got the, yes, well, they're, they've, they've put out this, they've put out the, uh, the, the, uh, the request, the notice requesting a waiver of laws the Department of Homeland Security has to build border barriers. That's the politically correct term here. It is not a wall, just in case you were wondering. It is a border barrier. Also for some roads. Now, if you are picturing a long, big wall, you'd be mistaken because I read these work orders, these notices, and I think the longest section is two miles two miles and then, then there's a you know like there's some that are, are half a mile long I don't know if this is really gonna do anything I mean I you know if I I mean at some at some point you know I'm picturing a a giant concrete you know monument on the border with lots and lots of of, of, of barbed wire up top perhaps with some high voltage running through it I mean that's 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 what I'm imagining. But anyway, they're putting some barriers up. They're building walls. And because it's such an about face for Biden, 
Poor Corinne Jean-Pierre can't even keep up with spinning this to reporters. It's so bad that even CNN is going after this and thinking it's a little bit, uh, little bit funny. So here's, for example, give you a little flavor of this. Here is Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, asked by a reporter, um, listen, I mean, if a border war is ineffective, then why are they saying that they need to build it, right? Simple question, because that's what they've been saying all this time, right? Well, you'd think, uh, you'd think, you'd think there'd be a quick answer to this. Listen. If the border wall is ineffective, why is the Homeland Security Secretary saying that it's necessary to prevent unlawful entries into the United States? I have not seen that full, that full statement. I know, I, uh, I, I, I hear you. I'm just saying I've not seen that full, his full statement uh, on that. What I can t- speak to is for the president. The president has been very clear that he doesn't believe it's, a, it's effective. He answered that question of your colleague. That's what I can speak to. That's what we're going to talk about. And we've actually said there are smarter ways and more effective ways in dealing with this. But you've said it. You're not doing anything. This is, do you, lo- you love that? They said, well, we're not, we're not really building a wall. Uh, you know, but, you know, I haven't seen the notice. I mean, we're all talking about it, right? I pulled it up in 10 seconds here using the internet. But okay, she hasn't seen the notice. But, you know, but by the way, we, we're, it's consistent with what we've always said because there are better ways of, of dealing with this problem. It's such a bad, bad answer to a question because it's, 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 it's a problematic for them either way, right? Either there are better ways of dealing with the problem, so then why are you building the wall if there are better ways of dealing with the problem? Or you're flat out lying. And you're now acknowledging and doing an about, you know, about face on a, a very important core, I would say core promise that Biden made during his campaign. This back in August 2020, speaking to Lulu Garcia Navarro of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. <laughs> and this is Biden making one of many promises about how uh, he didn't believe in border wall building. Trump campaigned on um, build that wall. Are you willing to tear that wall down? No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. Well, how about that? Uh, add that to the list of broken promises. Boy, this is, this is going to be very unpopular with a I said 30, 40% of, of Biden's Biden voters. Um, I'm just saying this is going to be po- unpopular. Uh, so, so you know, a reporter called him out on, well, not called him out because where Biden's not taking questions, but Corrine Jean-Pierre, the affirmative action spokesperson for the West Wing, a reporter asks her about this, this promise that he made, literally referencing the statement I just played for you. Uh, well, this is the answer. There will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. How can you say that he's not breaking that promise? Well, what I can say is that there's a law that the DHS is com- is complying with. We believe in the rule of law, and that's what we're moving forward to with. This was decided, as you just said, in 2019. I believe there was a different president in 2019, right? That was a, a Republican president who actually pushed this forward. The Republican leadership pushed this forward. And so now we're complying by the law. Let's not forget, this was six months ago. Imagine being a married guy, getting confronted by your wife for cheating on her, okay? 
she catches you, you know, red-handed, and you say, well, I think, the, here's the answer, I think fidelity's important. And if you'll recall, uh, we weren't married in 2019, and um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about this. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's word salad. Was 2019? I, I mean, what she's referencing to is the budget allocation for this in 2019. Who, who how it's not relevant, non sequitur. It's, it's, this is, this is, oh, and now, now they care about the, he made, it's just, it's just unbelievable. So, of course, uh, look, uh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, Ducey. Yeah, Peter Ducey. <laughs> he literally ended Corrine Jean-Pierre's career in under 60 seconds. Listen to this. If you have to build a border wall, but you don't think that it's going to work, then once it's done, are you just going to tear it down? I'm not getting into hypotheticals from here. I'm just telling you what I can tell you from here. The facts are that DHS is complying with the law. This is from fiscal year. This was under fiscal year 2019 under Republican uh, leadership, and DHS is required to do this. The president asked multiple times of Congress to reappropriate. They did not, and we're not complying by the law. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, of course it was the last person she took. She's just like, I can't even take this anymore. Ducey's point, by the way, is fair. I mean, if you don't think the wall works, so you're going to build the wall because you've got budget money to build the wall, so you're going to build it anyway, and so maybe are you going to tear it down after you built it? Because we, of course, know that this administration removed large portions of the southern barrier wall built by the Trump administration. They removed it. This is astounding. I mean... I, Look, even CNN has added to the gills on this stuff. Here's John Berman talking about this today. President Biden is building the wall, at least part of it. This is something he said he would not do. The Biden administration announced it will waive 26 federal laws to allow border wall construction in South Texas because of what they call an acute and immediate need. The plan is to construct up to 20 miles of new border barriers in Starr County. That's in the Rio Grande Valley area. So when he was running for president, Biden made clear that he would not expand the border wall if elected. And on the day he took office, President Biden signed a proclamation stating that, quote, building a massive wall that spans the entire southern border is not a serious policy solution. That we should know today's action does not do that. It's a 20-mile section. Nevertheless, it is very different than what President Biden campaigned on. Now, this is, that's not a 20-mile section. I'm reading the notice, and it talks about these fragments. So... Um, unless I'm missing something, it seems very much that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's built in parts. Um, and, uh, and, and so the, even CNN is starting to turn on Biden in a, in a substantive way. This whole thing is a colossal mess, but I'm telling you, the problem here is, and I, I, I think they're looking to tap into this money. I'm telling you, I think it's connected to they keep talking about 2019 and they keep talking about the appropriation for this in the budget. And what I suspect is, uh, one, it's a bit of a policy concession to con congressional Republicans to get eventually get an omnibus, omnibus budget passed in 45 days, less than 45 days now, 40 days. Uh, but the other part of it might just be a, an effort to release some funds that they'll need in the event of a government shutdown. So that could be part of this as well. 
listen, at any po- at any rate, we're we're living in absolutely fascinating times. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk eight forty KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Uh, here's an idea, you know. They could just send uh, uh, Joe Biden's dog, Commander, down to the southern border. Forget the wall. Uh, I think he single-handedly could uh, repel a few migrants. Sam Urjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. By the way, I think Commander has been sent off uh, to, like, the farm. I don't, I don't know where you, if you're the president of the United States, where you send your dog off to. Maybe... Maybe, uh, because of course, the dog keeps biting people. The dog's only two years old, clearly hasn't been trained. You know, you've got this German Shepherd and dogs like that need training and they need discipline. Uh, Biden, well, I guess the dog got similar training to Hunter. I don't, you know, not a lot of parenting is my point. Um, Okay. Uh, the dog's being sent off, so somewhere. Uh, maybe he's at the beach house. Maybe he is uh, hanging out in the Rosemont Seneca uh, finance offices. Maybe, maybe that maybe the dog is you know at. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. But hopefully, people inside the White House, Secret Service agents protecting Joe Biden and his family, are going to be safe now. Uh. Yes, well, I want to. I want to I, I get to speaking of the border. Have you heard of this Colony Ridge place? This is a development, a private development that um, has, you know, guys put this thing together there, and it is essentially a. Well, I'm going to say it's on a business level. I mean, it's brilliant, but it is essentially a town for illegals. And the, the idea behind it is that they build these crappy little houses, build very cheap, basic streets, no street lamps, no traffic lights, very, very basic. It was described, by the way, by a reporter who went down and looked at it, that it looked far more like something you would see in, in Mexico than the U.S. He drove around, took some photos, uh, Mexican flags everywhere. I mean, it is like Mexico inside the U.S. But here's where it's a, we have a brilliant business idea. The developer is, you know, set up a uh, an office in the middle of the town, and and they not doing a typical bank. They're they're saying zero percent down. You get roofing, AC, foundation, plumbing, electricity, very basic house, and you can you can just basically make payments on a house and if you miss a payment they take the house it's very usurious high interest loans but you know but 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 it's a direct you know directly owned by the premises so they're doing kind of a rent to own thing and immigrants are coming these these illegals are coming in you know by by the by the hundreds and snapping these homes up and it keeps growing it just makes me think that this is you know, profiteering off of a uh, an illegal enterprise, and and it's it's it bothers me fundamentally that this is happening inside the U.S. Yes, it's predatory, but not not pre- people are describing it as predatory on the illegals themselves. I think it's predatory on the laws of the United States. I think it's 
private individuals, and I'm all for for you know free enterprise, but I just feel this is a a step too far in taking a a situation that is a a, a, a crisis in this country and and providing people safe harbor. So it's you know yeah they don't yeah they give. You know, they give, uh, they secure financing. You don't have to show citizenship status. I mean, it's pretty blatant. It's not just that everything is 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 written in Spanish, but it's just pretty blatant. They're they're targeting a very specific demographic, and I'm, yeah, I'm looking at these photos, guys. It, it looks terrible. It looks absolutely terrible, and and it's Colony Ridge, and there's a little office, and you can you can make payments directly at the office. There's a QR code. You can pay pay via you know your phone phone app, and it's 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 that's what it's designed for. Now the reason I think it's it, it's it's a little bit uh, usurious, right? In the sense, and 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 it's um, predatory and it, it harms the U.S. is because it's no doubt word of this is getting down south of the border, and people that haven't made it over yet go, yeah, well, there's this place, and you can just pick up a house, and it's clean, it's better than what we've got back in the you know, a little ranchito in, in Mexico. So let's, get, let's do it. And it's further incentive to come here. It's also a little bit baffling. Almost seems as though, again, we're not prosecuting this. Back to selective prosecution, right? Talking about Letitia James and all the prosecutors gone wild going after Trump. We're, we're, we have a, a federal government, a Justice Department that clearly is not prosecuting people for illegal entry. We've given up on that. We're streaming into the country. I mean, there's no effort to weed these people out. Hearing some recent reports of some people being sent back. We don't even, I don't even think we have the, the, the capacity to airlift as many people back to where they came from uh, as are coming in on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It's just not, not, not doable, but are we even prosecuting anybody? And so, you know, is a place like this and whoever else aids and abets this type of criminal activity? I mean, is this does this start to amount to a criminal conspiracy? Well, we've heard that word thrown that phrase thrown around quite a bit, haven't we? Right? Criminal conspiracy. So, I mean, this is um yeah, this and it's right outside of Houston and people there in Houston are are furious about this. And um, and and so this, you know, and by the way, so is this, yeah, is this developer, is he going to be investigated by Letitia James for, you know, illegal and unethical practices? I don't think so. And yet here we are. We're uh, we're talking about this and it's, you know, it's a big, uh, big kerfuffle. Now, saw some further news that might interest you, and that is that Jacinda Ardern, the former prime minister of New Zealand, you know, she was the one who pushed the vaxes on everybody and shutdowns. She was one of the real COVID fascists out there uh, and, and prided herself on keeping COVID away from New Zealand until it came to New Zealand and then everybody got it because that's how viruses work. At any rate, any rate, it's emerged today that she and her government cleared a legal exemption from themselves for themselves from taking the mRNA shot. So there that's right, you heard me right. So they were pushing the shot on everybody, telling everybody you need to get the shot. Meanwhile, government officials 
were given a means to opt out. And it's, look, I mean, it's, it's astounding. I keep telling you that in socialism and communism, there wasn't equality. There wasn't equity. It didn't exist. The myth of that was just that. It was a myth. People at the top, communist party leaders, uh, uh, you know, apparatchiks, uh, government officials, I mean, they had luxury hotels that only they could travel to and take their families to for vacation. They had special health clinics. They had food in private stores that only they were eligible to buy. And it's that same kind of separation. These are people that tell others what to do and create a back door out on it for themselves. So when I call when I call these people, you know, COVID fascists and liberal fascists, woke fascists, is exactly what I mean. And I'm not the least bit surprised by this. Every tyrant in history has always created an exception for him or herself, an exemption, if you will. Rules for thee, not for me. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. I, I don't know if it's real. I don't know. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian truth teller, lawyer, and all-around great guy. Uh, well, Trump apparently is thinking about throwing his hat in the ring for speaker. Yeah, some people have pointed out, I, yesterday I said that there's no rules that bar him from being speaker. Those are, I, I was referring to constitutional rules. There are there is no constitutional requirement that the Speaker of the House be a member of the House. It can be an outsider. So Trump does not have to be elected to Congress in order to serve in that role. Somebody pointed out to me that according to the rules of the 118th Congress, they are those rules uh, prohibit one who is under indictment for a felony that could result in two years or more of imprisonment for being Speaker. But I want to mention that those are rules that are set by that Congress and can be changed by Republicans. So they're not prohibitive necessarily for Trump being considered for the role because as part of his nomination and election, he could be – those rules could be modified. So I just have to clear that. Now, what do I think of this? Um, well, can I, first, can I have some fun with it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love, from purely for entertainment purposes, of course, I would love to see the faces of the squad, for example, as Donald Trump gavels uh, the House of Representatives into order and into session. I mean, I would absolutely love it. Can you imagine the scene? Remember the, remember the votes. The, all the rounds of voting, you know, 11 rounds, whatever it was. For, how, how many rounds was it, Robbie? It was, was it 14. 
Anyway, regardless, all those rounds of voting for McCarthy and the Democrats in the chamber, and and imagine if Trump is in the mix and he's in the room and the Dems would absolutely be losing their minds. 15 rounds, thank you. The Dems would be losing their mind and it would be the best television and you and I, we would be sitting uh, at home uh, watching it on TV unfold and we'd be We'd be consuming popcorn and and be absolutely delighting um, in every moment of it. So there it is. Um, now, the other part I think I would enjoy tremendously is Biden giving a State of the Union address and having Trump standing behind him, which, of course, he would if he were Speaker of the House. Um uh, but I don't think, folks, I actually don't think that this is serious. I think that Trump is playing with it, but it's not. I, th- I said this yesterday. I, I just don't see him actually wanting to go for it. Uh, he's a provocateur, and he wants to stay in, in, in the mix, and I, I get that. And so he's he's playing with this, and he's not. Yeah. Um, so. Right now, the race really is between Jim Jordan and Scalise. And I, I mean, I guess of the two, I'm, I'm, I strongly favor Jordan. I, I don't necessarily, though, I don't necessarily know, uh, though, am, am so set on who the speaker is as much as I'm set on the rules. So the motion to vacate to me is the most important rule. And I'm one of the few Republicans that are on the side of having it be a single-member motion, just like it was uh, when Speaker McCarthy was. And, and there's, there's people are already, people, I mean, congressmen and women are already chiming in that they want to see that rule reduced. And, you know, Gates is not going to let that go, nor will, you know, nor will others, I think. They'll, 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 they'll hold on to that. And what I think is going to happen is um, what I think is going to happen is 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 either that rule stays in or it gets traded for some very specific concessions. But the problem is the problem is. Is you can agree to certain concessions, but then not do them. And what was proven by by Kevin McCarthy, he just made a deal and then broke it multiple times over and over again. So Kevin Hearn, Republican Oklahoma, he's another name that's in the mix. I, you know, he's he's a conservative. He's a conservative guy, um, you know. But of course, you know, I mean, it could. Byron Donalds is another one. He's gaining popularity, um, but he hasn't thrown his name in. So Kevin Hearn's discussed, but right now the only two actual, honest to goodness, contenders declared candidates uh, for the open seat of speaker, a position of speaker, is uh, Jim Jordan and Scalise. But it doesn't matter so much to me who the speaker is as it matters what the rules are and what the, what the rules of the, of the game are going to be. I hope that the conservative holdouts in Congress keep their uh, well, keep their uh, courage up. Because everybody's piling on them. Every single, I'll tell you, every single mainstream conservative commentator, I'm sure you saw the, boy, it was Brian Kilmeade. Robbie, we don't have that audio, do we? Brian Kilmeade just took to task this, tried to take to task, 
a holdout congressman. And 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 Kilmeade's entire point was, how could you rock the boat like this? Don't you understand? And it was a precisely this type of elitist entitlement that is at the core the core of the problem of a Republican Party in 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 Washington today. They just want to go along and get along and make some occasional, you know, scooch wins. Oh, we got this and we got that. They want to be collegial. They want to get along at parties. But these are not, they're not serious about actually rolling anything back. So um, here's, here's the scoop, right? This is, this is all going to play out here in the coming week. Lots going on. Um, I mean, Hakeem Jeffries, you know, remember, he's the Democratic leader. He at one point garnered more votes than McCarthy in the first 11 rounds of voting. So uh, that's that's an interesting point to take. But that's still when the Republicans were fractured and there were multiple candidates. I mean, it's, 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 it's wild out there. And it'll all depend on, you know, it's down to, what is it, down to four votes or so? Four votes, all he needs, you know, he'll need to, of those eight, of those eight, if five of them maintain their position and stick together, they dictate how this plays out. Now, one thing I want to mention going into 24 is that there's been some redistricting, redrawn lines in Georgia, nowhere Alabama. We think, producer Robbie, we looked at this yesterday. There were uh, Alabama's congressional map. So Alabama, the uh, the new remedial plan that's come down from the federal court takes Alabama's second congressional district that now swings from Trump plus 29 will now change to Biden plus 12. It's pretty much assuring that there's going to be a Dem pickup. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm bringing this up to you now, folks. I, 24 is going to be very, very critical uh, to Republicans in keeping the House. And I'm going to say this. The way to keep the House is not by being average, mealy-mouth, compromise Republicans. You can't be a generic Republican. You've got to fight, and you've got to be a stark contrast to what the Biden administration is doing. Biden's unpopular. Don't run as a Biden light. Run as an example of what conservatism is and the promise that it carries for regular, ordinary Americans. That's how this job gets done. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. All right, welcome, folks. Uh, the What's Right Show on here. Sam Rajofsky, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Uh, some surveys, uh, polls have come out. Interesting. Listen, Trump is not going anywhere. Survey USA's clocked what I think might be Trump's biggest poll number. Uh, I've, I, this is for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. So this is a nationwide survey. Trump is at 65. DeSantis at nine in single digits. Haley. Uh, is in fourth place uh, at five. Ramaswamy has eight in third place. It's kind of jumping around here as it's listed. Uh, 
different numbers from a separate poll, a Marquette University poll. That has Trump at 56, DeSantis at 12, Haley in third and at six uh, points, and then Ramaswamy only at four. Ramaswamy's kind of all over the board. Haley's surging. I'm t- it's, I don't know what can happen, but it's, I don't know if she's got what it takes to get across the line. That doesn't change the fact, however, that they are definitely trying their best to push Nikki Haley. Everywhere I look, it's, it's well, there's a Politico piece. They're describing, well, they're describing one of these polls. They said, they said Haley beats, surpasses DeSantis in new poll. And you, you, know, you look at it and it's in New Hampshire. I get that New Hampshire's an early voting state. I understand it. It's an important state for all Republicans in the primaries to, to, to hit up and win and pick up the, you know, the, the, the votes there. But I, I'm, I'm all there. There's a lot more votes, you know, super Tuesday has got some meaty States in there. Um, so you can lose new, you know, New Hampshire and still be viable. And, and conversely, you can win it and lose plenty of examples of that. So, um, 19% apparently Haley's getting in New Hampshire. I'm not surprised by this. New Hampshire Republicans, you, you know, what kind of a weak sauce group of people that must be? Listen, if you're listening as a New Hampshire Republican and, and uh, are in alignment with me, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just saying you probably know a lot of Republicans in your state that are kind of old school Republicans. You know, they're Bush Republicans. They, you know, they, they watch a lot of Fox News and, and, and Nikki Haley's their gal because she's the kind of the generic Republican flavor of the week right now. So they're, they're pushing it, though. The, all the mainstream media, they always want to tell us Republicans who our nominee, nominee ought to be. And then once they've convinced us to accept their choice for nominee, then they proceed to destroy and trash our nominee in the general. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's diabolical, and the playbook has, has happened time and time again. Yes, well, you know, ah, uh, McCain, of course, McCain in the uh, election to, uh, to beat Obama, that, uh, that's an example. Well, they, McCain was the decent guy. He was the candidate that, you know, that we were told would be the decent person to run, and Republicans bought it. And um, and then and then and then, of course, uh, you know, there there's there's other uh, other examples as well throughout the years, including oh, Mitt Romney. That was another guy we were told how great he was. And yeah, Jack Kemp, I throw his name out there. I, look, oh, yeah, these were all Republicans that were Bob Dole, Bob Dole, right? Bob Dole, Jack Kemp like that was. Yeah, Bob Dole was adored. I mean, and, and, and he's like, okay, we're going to run run old Bobby. Yeah, that didn't work out. So I, I'm tired of hearing from the mainstream media on who we ought to pick. Now, I say this every time I go through the polls. Folks, it's still very early. I mean, a lot can happen. Uh, there's no doubt that DeSantis has experienced a bit of a backslide here in the race. It's a. I'll say this again. It's it's a shame because 
I don't see it as a look. I, I as I as I sit here favoring Trump, I, I'm not an anti-Desantis person. Being, I don't like saying if you're pro-Trump, you have to be anti-Desantis. In fact, it, it pains me, and I think it was a bad move for Desantis to run against Trump. Now that we have this a uh, little clearer vision of how his campaign is, as, as, um, has rolled out. But, but that's not it. I, I like what to say. I admire deeply what DeSantis has done in Florida, and we need more of it in the rest of the country. And, and DeSantis' policy and DeSantis' governance, frankly, is something that this country could benefit from. But we also have to win elections. And I am so tired, folks, of being told by the mainstream media and, 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 you know, the never Trump Republicans who it might as well be the same thing, who all say, well, you can't, can't elect, you can't, you can't nominate Trump, he's going to lose. And my answer, and then I say, well, who, who would you have? And they say, well, DeSantis. And I say, well, why? And then they say, well, because he's got great policy. And I say, well, I, I agree with everything you just said, except for one eensy-weensy little thing, which is why would you choose to run the guy that can't win and can't get traction in the primary? You think he's magically going to become a great campaigner in the general? Like Tinkerbell's going to come along and thring, you know, and, and and dust him with some with some magic powder, and he's going to come alive and connect with voters. I'm no, I'm I, I'm it's it's I I think the reason I have advocated from the start from the start here to have an open primary fight, not to anoint Trump, right? Been consistent on that. Not to annoy Trump. Bring it on. Let's have a contest. Let's duke it out, right? And the reason I said this was I had to, you know, I had to uh, absolutely, uh, I, I want to see who, who, who's going to have the, bring the fire in the general election. I want somebody who can, who can win the election and can win the race. And I don't believe for a minute that Trump is, is, is somehow foreordained to lose the general election. And a lot of the people that, they, the typical logic points, right, or, or, or explanations given are, and you know them, right? He's got too much headwind. He's got all these trials against him and he's spending time and money, burning time and money, instead of campaigning on these, on these trials. And I kind of shrug my shoulders on that one because I think that these trials are, uh, bring favorable exposure to Trump, believe it or not. And then they say, well, well, Trump, you know, well, Trump, like, like, uh, I'll give you an example here. Ann Coulter came out swinging, described basically Republicans as battered spouses for saying, well, Trump was going to do better next time. I, <laughs> do better next I, listen, listen, Ann, I, I, I love Ann Coulter, but... I'm not, I'm not, I don't have some delusion about what Trump did and didn't do. There's a lot of stuff that Trump didn't do, and I criticize him for it all the time on this program. But then there's a lot of stuff he did do. And I don't want to hear from Republicans who tell me, oh, and Trump couldn't get it done with, with Republicans for two years. Republicans? If you call Paul Ryan a, a Republican, I, I'm, excuse me, I'm going to have to wipe the vomit off my chin. So, 
Don't give me that. Then people say, well, he energizes Democrats. Um, so, you know, you know, you could run you could run Biden propped up weakened at Bernie style and he's going to energize Republican Democrats to go out and vote. And I'm you know, my my answer to that is uh, I, I just don't I don't. Of course, I, I think that some of that vitriol, though, has it's different now. Four years have gone by. Dems are really demoralized by their guy. I mean, I, I've heard some Democrats actually say that they're almost, almost ready to support Trump versus having another four years of Biden or, you know, whatever Biden's leftovers would be. Now, that's a stark contrast from some of those same people telling me, you know, probably starting in 2018, 19, that, tr- that they're sick of Trump and need to be, need to be done. But you also have to energize Republicans to go out and vote. And there I could make the same argument that Republicans have a lot more on the line than we ever have, and we fundamentally understand it. The Dems are going to be out there vote harvesting, right, ballot harvesting. They're going to be doing their stuff. So we got to get Republicans to come out and vote. And I think we were a little bit – a lot of people on the Republican side were a little bit down on Trump in 2020. But now we've seen what Joe Biden and his, you know, FBI Justice Department is all about. We've seen what he's doing. We know we know what the game is all about. And I think I think a lot of people are going to be be ready or fired up and ready to vote. And I don't know that DeSantis is a guy that's I mean, look at his polling. I, it, it is what it is. He's not connecting. I don't even need to see the polling. I can tell you he's not connecting. So anyway, we will continue to follow this, folks. It's there's a, again, there's. There is a year plus left before the election. That is an eternity. All right, Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, this show brought to you, the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right.